Um, I find out that I'm going to steal da uh, Nate's thunder here, Nathan's thunder here, but um, found out that he's going to be preaching out of Ephesians, and the very scripture that I wanted to read this morning was from Ephesians. Oh, okay. I doubt it'll probably cross over, but um, I'm going to read the last part of Ephesians 1, chapter 1, starting in verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I have been so encouraged through Ephesians. And I was just talking with Nathan there. Um, so, so encouraged with what Ephesians has to say. It's not a reprimand, um, but it's an encouragement. If you, if you need encouragement in Christian life or church life, go read Ephesians. It's just, it becomes alive. And I think we studied it as a youth group, and it, it became alive to me then, but it's even more so now as I read it. It's just an encouragement in Christ of what he wants to do in us, what he has proclaimed over us. And um, I look forward to hearing what Nathan has to share on that too today. But um, let's just come before the Lord this morning. You know, we're here to praise him, to honor him, mm -hmm. to learn of him, as it said there, to receive wisdom from him, not of our own understanding, of, not of our own knowledge, of, but from him. And uh, let's just quiet our hearts before him this morning. Father, we do come before you so thankful, Lord, that we can be here to just take this time out of our week um, and just... Focus completely and solely on you mm -hmm. to just shut shut everything off else off and just remember that you are the Lord and the Savior of our life. You are the reason that we're alive. You're the reason that we're here. You're the reason that we exist in this world to proclaim you. And Lord, I pray that you would be honored in each one of our lives. Lord, as we go through our busy life, our daily life, Lord, but you would be honored and lifted up. That you would be proclaimed. The name of Jesus Christ would be lifted up. And Lord, I just pray as we sing this morning, Lord, would you take a sacrifice of praise this morning, Lord, as a sweet aroma to you from our lips. And Lord, as we just honor you, Lord, I pray that it would not be from just our physical bodies, Lord, but from our hearts. What our mind, what our spirit is saying to you and what you have done in our lives. And Lord, I pray that that's what you would receive from us this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name.
And Lord, as hard as it may be for me to understand that or to see that, even harder for those that are there experiencing it, Lord, I want to trust in you, and I want them to find their faith in you. Lord, that their comfort is in an almighty God, that their, their desire is for the things of you. Lord, this life is temporary. We cannot live forever. We cannot take it with us. But, Lord, we can take you with us. We can take other souls with us. We can take the word that we have hidden in our hearts with us, Lord. And I pray that that would be the experience of our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Lord, would they not cease to proclaim your name? Would they not cease to build each other up in the foundation of Jesus Christ? Lord, I pray that all frivolousness of the things that men put into the gospel would be taken away. And Lord, that just you truly above all else would be revealed to them. And they would be able to just stand firm in the knowledge of you. Lord, I I don't even know how to pray in a way of understanding completely what they're going through. But Lord, I just pray that they would be encouraged. They would be joyful, Lord. We know of martyrs of old that we read. Lord, they were burned at the stake. They were, they were torn limb from limb, and they died rejoicing in you, rejoicing that they serve a living God. Mm-hmm. And, Lord, I pray that that would be the experience of our brothers and sisters. Yes. Lord, that they would be able to witness even to their very persecutors, mm-hmm. to the very ones that are killing them. Lord, that they would be able to witness of a living God, of Jesus Christ and the power that we have in him. Lord, would your glory be shown forth even through Afghanistan in this time? Lord, we know that you are all-powerful. And Lord, that only this is only happening because you're allowing it. Build your church, Lord, and strengthen your children. I pray this in your name.
technical difficulties <laughs> he covers us Darkness. 
wife doesn't like that you guys haven't stood yet today. Can you guys all stand? Let's sing this last song. I desire Jesus.
Children, come forward. Cast your burdens? Oh, my. I don't think you know how to play that one, do you? Nope. See? So I got an excuse. Hmm. You're going to have to keep them simple today. You're going to have to keep them simple today because my guitar player, he just don't know how to do some of these. I knew it. All right. How about God's Not Dead? We all know that one, right? G, uh, G. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. I feel him in my hand, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart, thump, thump. feel him in my soul. Woo! Feel him all over me. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. I feel him in my hands, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart, feel him in my soul. Feel him all over me. No, you got it. You were going to go for another verse. Wrapped up, tied up. You think Nathan? Do you think Nathan's got this one figured out? No. No? <laughs> you should have this all figured out by now. Was that fun? La- was that who? 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 Hey, Tiffy, don't worry about Sherry. We're all right, huh? What? Oh my! I see that he got it hurt. Okay. 
Um, that looks like a pretty good one. I got one on my leg too, but it wasn't. I didn't get it quite that way. Um, somebody gave it to me. You say what? Yeah, it does it every time. So you guys wrapped up, tied up. Who did it last Sunday? Did you guys have all kinds of youth trying to do that last Sunday? Was that funny or what? Yeah. They couldn't figure it out for nothing. What would Sherry say? That was embarrassing watching them. <laughs> it was embarrassing, yeah. Watching them. I was embarrassed for your uh, cousins once removed. Is that what they would be? They were doing awful. All right. Let's sing Wrapped Up, Tied Up. Mm, gee. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in God. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side. Inside, outside, side to side. Inside, outside, side to side in God. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right. Upright, downright, living right. Upright, downright, living right in God. Faster. You know who I've noticed never does the motions? Just think, look back there. Have you seen Faith ever do the motions? <laughs> okay, so shall we all have them stand up and see if they can do them with us? Okay, pay really close attention to Faith though, okay? All right, we'll put them all together. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. I'm upright, it's right, side to side in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side, upright, downright, living right in God. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. I'm inside. Outside, side to side in Jesus, I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side, upright, downright, living right in God. Woo! They did pretty good. You better, you better clap for them. She didn't do what? And then after that. Well, she was so wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up, she couldn't get the rest of them. You got to do it slow for her. Oh. <laughs> All right, what's another song? I'll do one more. 
The B, you guys remember the B-I-B-L-E? Huh? Leaning on the Lord's side? Okay. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I usually have Jason here to tell me which key to do. Tell me Maybe we'll just do it without instrument. Tell me whose side are you leaning on? Tell me whose side are you leaning on? I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, I'm leaning on the Lord's side. I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, I'm leaning on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you praying on? Tell me whose side are you praying on? I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I'm praying on the Lord's side. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I'm praying on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you singing on? Tell me whose side are you singing on? I sing, I sing, I sing, I sing, I'm singing on the Lord's side. I sing, I sing, I sing, I sing, I'm singing on the Lord's side. Well, that was good. What? Oh, there's a verse. Did we miss a verse? Okay, are you guys going to help me sing this time? Okay. Tell me whose side are you jumping on? Tell me whose side are you jumping on? I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump, I'm jumping on the Lord's side. I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump, I'm jumping on the Lord's side. Never knew a joke I would have with you guys one day would lead to me having to sing that every Sunday. <laughs> All right. So, did you, did you hear any countries mentioned this morning? Uh, Afghanistan. Do you know where it's at? Okay, it would be, okay, so here is, oh, well, I got to get my way over here, too. Okay, we got Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, we got all the stands over here, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, and right here is Afghanistan. See this little yellow one here? That's That's, the country we've been... And this is Iran, and Iraq is over here, and then Afghanistan is on that side. So remember we were, remember we were learning about um, Brother Andrew, and he was smuggling Bibles, and he was going into Russia here. So he was a little bit more on this side of it here, yeah. but Afghanistan is down here. Okay? Like, what? My dad is in Texas, and we're going to Africa. Oh, 
Well, Texas is way over here somewhere. All right, but what we're going to learn about today is... It, well, i got to find it here myself. I'm on the wrong side here. Well... I should have looked at a globe to find this. Liberia. That's a small town. That's a small town. That's a small country. So here is Liberia. Okay. So we are, here's Liberia. Here's Canada, Lexi. Here's Canada. Um, and then we are all the way over here. Okay. So it's not that far, right? You have to go over the Atlantic Ocean, okay? Yeah, to go here. But it will take a big, long a big, time because... A big boat would go. Yeah. Anthony, are you still in the back back there, or Brandon is? Brandon, can you pull up like an 18th century or something ship, like a sailing ship, a picture of one? Okay, so it didn't go real fast to come over to here, okay, yeah, to New York. But okay, we're going to learn about a young man named... Samuel Morris. Do you know who he was? Never heard that name? I'll bet you Nathan could tell the story better than I'm going to. Roy reminded us of him when he was preaching the other Sunday. I forgot all about Samuel Morris. And I always loved his story when I was younger. And then I remembered his story. Okay. So, so he lived way over here in this little town or this little country called Liberia. And he was the son of a chief. Okay, now I'm going to kind of paraphrase what I didn't like any stories that I actually found that I wanted to tell you guys because none of them were what I wanted. But I'm going to kind of paraphrase through what Wikipedia has to say too about him. So Samuel Morse, and if you guys want to add something to all this because I know I'm never going to get it as good as what I was so bummed I could not find a story I really liked that was short enough to talk about. But Samuel Morse was never... He wasn't told about God. Like you as a young child, you're told. Like we sing about God, we talk about God, you come to church, right? Yeah. Samuel Morris wasn't, he didn't have that. He didn't come to church anyway. Huh? He didn't come to church anyway. Well, no, he wasn't able to. Okay, shh. Okay, so he wasn't able to, he wasn't taught about God. They didn't teach about God in his village. But he wanted to know something about God. He sensed that there was a God out there that he wanted to know about. So he went to a missionary compound. He found a missionary compound on the coast, I believe, or somewhere in, was it Liberia? Oh, I thought you were going to fill me in here. Um, so somewhere here, and he found a missionaries, and he found out about God. He got to know God. But then... He heard in the United States, way over here, was somebody that knew more about the Holy Spirit. He wanted to know more about the Holy Spirit. So he went to the coast. See the ocean here? This is the coast. He went there to the beach, and he asked him. He said he found a ship, and he asked the captain to take him to America. And the captain said, no way. You can't pay. So I'm not taking you. So the ship... Whatever, Samuel Moore sat on the beach. What do you think he did for three days? Shh. Uh, sat on the beach? Shh. He what? Prayed. He prayed. What do you think happened after three days? Please quit touching it. Okay. A ship came. The same one. What do you think the captain said then? 
He said, yes, he could be a cabin boy. So he got on the ship, and they made him a cabin boy. So a cabin boy is not, you know, you remember what a cabin boy was? Do you have a picture of the ship? You didn't find one? Can't figure out how to get it up there? So a cabin boy was somebody who, like, did all the cleaning stuff for the captain. Because the captain was the important thing. Okay, so there's a ship. It doesn't look that big. They weren't that big back then. Okay, you see that? So he had to, like... Usually the captain had his own cabin. He was the only one that had his own room and a cabin, and he could sleep there. But the cabin boy was the one that got to do all the dirty work. Mm-mm. No. So that was the cabin boy, and he would go along. Well, they didn't like Samuel Morse. The, the Samuel Morse we're talking about. They didn't like him. So even though he prayed and God answered his prayer and gave him, got him on a ship headed for New York... Right over here to New York. That's what he was. The ship was going to come across here in a ship like that. That's America. It's in America. Yeah. Um, so he got on a ship, but now it wasn't that working that great because I mean now he had to really work hard and and he had to do all the dirty jobs. Do you think he lost his faith in God? Yeah. No. They would tie him to one of those big. See those things that are holding the white sails. They would tie him to the mast and just whip him for the fun of it. When the seas got rough and the ship is swaying and the stormy and raining and the waves are big, where do you think they sent him? Way up on top to put the mast up or to put the sail up. They gave him the, the worst jobs because they didn't like him. Do you think Samuel quit trusting God because his life got tough? Nope. You know what he did? I think he kept on praying. Do you know what happened when he got off the ship in New York? Do you know? They all started crying. Because between here and here, over two-thirds of the ship had become Christians. They had started trusting God. Because of this one boy named Samuel Morris. Isn't that interesting? He prayed a ship would come and it was awful. And he still prayed and God answered his prayer and saved so many souls through him between here and here. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You don't get it? You don't think, it was, you don't think it's important that they become Christians? These rough, terrible, not very nice seamen? Sailors, they became, they put their trust in God. What do you think that changed? I mean, I would love to hear the rest of the story about where those men's lives all went. But that's the journey that happened from there to there with a young boy named Samuel Morris who changed many men's lives just because he trusted in God. So on a ship like that, God is still in control, right? That ship was broken. Okay, but then he got, he got back out. I mean, he got, to, he got to the university that he was going to, and he ended up dying at a young age, but he had such an impact for what God was trying to do. He got, I forget, he got sick. I'd have to read a little bit more. Pneumonia, is that what it was? 
that's a good way to die. All right. So now, don't forget that when the storms of life get rough between your destinations, you still want to trust God and you still want to share him with others through the way you are and also because of what God is doing in your life, right? Okay, you can go back. have you here this morning. Thank you, Carrie, Sarah, Hershey family for uh, pretty much uh, pulling together the entire uh, service so far this morning. So it's uh, glad you guys were here. All right. Well, welcome to each one of you and to those that uh, were able to uh, join us online. Thank you for uh, joining us and uh, we believe the Lord is here with us, and we're looking forward to what uh, he'll continue to share with us here this morning. Oh, just for a few announcements, we have Brother Nathan Johnson from Windsor here with us again. He'll be sharing the word with us in a moment, and uh, after our service, as usual, we have our lunch together, so everyone please stay for that. There's plenty of food and uh, fellowship, and we'll continue to share with each other in that way. I don't think there's uh, anything, there's no midweek services or anything here this week, but uh, this afternoon, though, there is a uh, baptism that uh, some of us will be going to if, uh, I guess uh, many of you know uh, Christopher and Anava, they've been here numerous times, they're Son Nathaniel is being baptized at Bay uh, at Horse Tooth, if, if, and that's at three o'clock this afternoon. If anyone's interested in going, uh, if you are uh, and are wondering exactly where it's at, talk to uh, Phil, and he can uh, let you know where that's at. Um, that's about all the announcements. Uh, we don't take an offering here, but if the Lord has blessed you and uh, asked you to give, there is an offering box on the back wall where you can do that. All right. Uh, oh, and also, there's coffee and tea and water in the back foyer. Please help yourself to that. Um, we'll turn it over to Nathan. Why don't you come on up and we'll pray, and uh, I'll let you uh, share as the Lord has led you. Father, I thank you for my brother and thank you for his uh, willingness to use his calling to preach the word and to uh, be here this morning and to, sh to share with us. And I pray, Father, that you would speak your word to him, give him clarity of thought and mind, that he would clearly speak the words that you have given him this morning. We pray that you would help us to be hearers of your word and not only hearers but doers of your word as well. So we commit this time to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you all again. I am on, right? 
Can you hear me? Perfect. Uh, by the way, the, the little kiddo with the guitar is so uber cute. Uh, I was like slightly jealous that he had the opportunity to play. Uh, that's my kind of guitar, so uh, that's probably the only kind of guitar I could play. Uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, I'd love for you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, I've been working through uh, just kind of my own personal study, uh, Ephesians, uh, just going through this book again, and I know that Carrie uh, said that this is his delight. Uh, so excited to get into the book with you this morning. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, it's interesting, Paul in the very beginning section of Ephesians is walking through the tremendous reality of our position in Jesus. Uh, it's just like he's sitting back just saying, oh, I just want to talk about the marvelous reality that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, Carrie mentioned this a little bit earlier, but this is not a correction letter. That This isn't a, uh, hey, I'm trying to fix a whole bunch of things. The whole book of Ephesians is, is this idea of Paul saying, let me just talk about the very depth of my heart and the goodness of Jesus Christ, uh, especially as it relates to the body of Christ. Uh, As you come to chapter 3, what I want to do is I want to read verse 1 down through verse 13, just to kind of give the uh, overarching context, but I want to look very specifically this morning uh, at verse 8. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like to read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 down through 13, and uh, this is what Paul writes. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles... If you've indeed heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific... Verse 6, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. And then here's our verse I want to focus on, verse 8. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. What an incredible passage. Uh, Paul is saying, hey, God has given me something. And uh, here I am, the very least, if you look at our uh, verse 8, to me the very least of all the saints, God has given me this grace to proclaim the incredible, overwhelming riches of Jesus Christ. That there is this mystery which has been hidden for ages and generations. There's an eternal purpose and plan that God has. And Paul says, do you know what I get to do? I get the privilege of declaring that to the world. Wouldn't it be neat if we had that same privilege? Because we do. 
Uh, when you look at verse 8 again, Paul begins and says, to me, the very least of all the saints. I really love this thought that Paul, in this passage, is talking of himself very humbly, but yet he's talking of Christ highly. And he says, when I look at myself in light of the grandeur of who God is, he says, I see myself as the very least of all the saints. I am not worthy, says Paul. Now, it is interesting in other passages that he says stuff like, hey, I am equal with all the apostles. That, that hey, uh, a lot of scholars say that Paul was the chief of the apostles. And yet, isn't it interesting that even though that he was on the same level as all the apostles, he saw himself as the very least of all the saints? In, in fact, if you, if you don't turn there, uh, but he says in second, uh, sorry, 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, this is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am the greatest. Paul says, do you know who I am? In light of the reality of Jesus, I am at the very bottom. I'm just, I'm just getting in. He says, and I am just so privileged that I get the pleasure and the opportunity to proclaim the incredible, incalculable riches of Jesus Christ. And, he, and that word, by the way, for the, uh, in verse 8, that I get to preach, it has this idea of, uh, in it, the gospel itself. So what Paul is saying is, I, I get the privilege of proclaiming the great news, this gospel of Jesus Christ to all the nations. That, that, I, that I, the very least of the saints, have been given grace to proclaim this good news. Well, what is the good news that he is proclaiming? Look at verse 8. He says, I get to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. Or some translations say the unsearchable riches of Christ. Uh, that word there, unfathomable or unsearchable, uh, it's really interesting. In the Greek, this word has this idea of, uh, if you see it in the positive, uh, being able to track or trace something down. Uh, do we have any hunters in the room? Like people who hunt or trap, those kind of things? Uh, it's interesting. Uh, you go hunting for, say, an elk, right? We're in Colorado. And so you go hunting for an elk, and so you, you see an elk, and you start to track the elk. I don't hunt, so I'm making this up. I'm presuming, right? How about this? You, you see an elk hoof. Is that what they, it is, a hoof? Boy, I, I should use a different illustration. <laughs> I see a rabbit. <laughs> That's probably more on my level. Uh, and I start to track the rabbit, right? And, I, and so I'm going through the brush and I'm looking for the trail of the rabbit. That's the positive version of this word, this idea of to trace or to track something. Uh, in fact, in Luke chapter 1, verse 3, Luke uses this word in a positive sense. And he says, it seemed fitting for me having investigated, that's that word, that here I am, I'm searching it out, I'm tracing it down the road and, I, and I'm finding something. So when you take that concept and you make it negative, in other words, it's impossible, that's our word. So what Paul is saying is that the riches of Christ are so grand and so big, you can't search them out. You will never be able to track this thing down in the fullest. Uh, you'll never be able to, to find your way, find the little bunny trail or the elk hoof path thing. And, and you, you will not be able to find where this all leads. Why? Because this thing is beyond comprehension. This thing is beyond, beyond searching. This is, this is beyond tracking it down. This thing is grand. 
Have you realized that the riches of Jesus Christ are that good? Have you come to the conclusion that the riches of Jesus are unsearchable, that they are unfathomable, that they are beyond comprehension, that you will never reach the depth of them? Isn't that a marvelous thought? That, that if I begin to experience the riches of Jesus Christ in my life, I will never hit the bottom. I will never come to their end. Why? Because there are far more riches of Jesus than you will ever be able to experience. Which then begs the question, what are the riches? Don't you want to know? Because, hey, if the riches of Jesus are unfathomable, if they really are unsearchable, if we'll never reach the bottom of them, if they're all available to you as a believer in Jesus Christ, well, what are the riches? Now, I hate to disappoint you, but we're not talking about money. I know that's a bummer. (laughs) I I wish it said, hey, you come to Christ, you're going to be really wealthy. Doesn't that just sound wonderful? But that's not true. Typically, you come to Jesus and you have to give up everything. Uh, So what are the riches? Can I propose to you that the unfathomable riches of Jesus is actually just Jesus himself? That as you come into Scripture and you look at what are the riches of Jesus Christ, what you begin to uncover is that the riches that you and I get to have access to in Jesus is none other than Jesus. He is our riches. He is the very depth of life that we get to experience. That that there is no bottom to, to the reality of Jesus in our life. Do you know how phenomenal that is? And you don't look convinced, so i got to prove this to you. Uh, the word riches, uh, the word riches shows up 22 times uh, in, the, uh, in the New Testament. 14 of those times specifically refer to Jesus in the sense of the riches of Jesus or the riches of Christ. And what I want to do, just for kicks and giggles this morning, is I want to read you those 14 verses. So don't turn there in your Bibles. Just sit, enjoy, and listen. And if you want all these passages, I'll, I'll, I'll email them to Phil and you can get them. Sound good? So this is just a sit and enjoy the reality of the Word of God this morning. But what I want to do is I want to give you what Scripture says is the riches of Jesus Christ. So listen to these. And we're just going to go through this. Oh, by the way, the root word for the word riches here has this idea of to fulfill or to fill up or to accomplish something. So you realize that when we're talking about the fact that you get to experience the overwhelming riches of Jesus Christ... Those riches are going to fill, fulfill, and accomplish something in your life. So let me read a few of these to you. Uh, Romans 2.4 says this, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Do you know that the riches of Jesus finds fulfillment in his kindness, his patience, his long-suffering. Isn't that encouraging? That when I begin to experience the riches of Jesus, I get to experience his overwhelming kindness in my life, his patience. Why? Because this kindness, his patience, is to lead us to repentance and salvation. Romans 9.23, he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth 
of the riches, both of his wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable are his ways. So the riches then are associated with this idea of wisdom and knowledge. In 2 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2, it says, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their generosity, in that riches of their generosity, uh, the riches of their liberality. Uh, Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 talks about this idea that in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So grace is associated with his riches, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Uh, Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you would know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Uh, Ephesians 2.7, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Are you getting this? That there's all these riches in Scripture all related to Jesus. What are they tied to? Oh, wisdom and inheritance and kindness and his goodness. It's all about him. You're still not convinced. I'll give you some more. Uh, Ephesians 3.16. Uh, again, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory that you would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Philippians 4.19 my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.27, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 2.1-3, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea. And then he goes on and says, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the riches that come from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God, uh, of God's mystery, that is Christ himself. First uh, Timothy 6:17. He says, "Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or fixed uh, or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Well, where are we to fix our certainty on? Paul says, "On God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy he gives us everything folks in hebrews 11 24 it talks about moses and the fact that he had all the riches of of, uh, of all of egypt at his disposal and yet he considered all of that a reproach for the riches of christ uh, in revelation 5 11 and 12 john in this incredible vision says that I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, all saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So as you come to scripture, it's interesting to me that as you look at this idea of, well, what are the riches that we get to experience as believers? Jesus, that he is the riches, that he is the blessing, that, that if you are going to experience the reality 
of Jesus Christ and his riches, that means you get to experience the fullness of him. Now, I know we just went through a lot of scripture. But I'm going to give you a whole bunch more. Aren't you excited? Uh, when you step back and look at this idea of the fact that Jesus himself is the riches, uh, in fact, we don't have time to get into all these studies, but when you go up earlier in verses 1 through 7, Paul says that I've been given grace to preach this mystery. Do you know what the mystery is? Jesus. Do you know what the riches are in verse 8? Jesus. He talks about down in verse 10, 11, and 12 that there's this eternal purpose and plan that God has. Do you know what God's eternal purpose and plan all center upon? Jesus. Don't you get a sense that Paul's just trying to say one thing over and over and over again? As if there's one big deal, if there's one thing that's just the throb of his heart, that there's just one focus, there's one message of his preaching? It's Jesus. In fact, according to Paul, why would you want to preach anything else? Why, why would you want to focus on anything else? Why, why would you want to sing a song on Sunday morning that didn't have Jesus at the focus? Why would we ever want to listen to a single sermon that didn't have Jesus at the center of it? Because this is all about him. And guess what your life is supposed to be about? Him. Guess how we're to define your life? Jesus. So let me just give you a few of these just to show how this is just prevalent all throughout Scripture. And I won't give you a lot. I'll just give you a couple. Uh, but 2 Corinthians 11.3, Paul says that I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, that you would be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion of Christ. Do you realize that as Christians, there should be a simplicity of devotion in our life, which is Jesus? That there's to be one focus, one desire, one throb, one heartbeat in your life, which is Jesus? Uh, in Colossians 2, verse 2 and 3, it says that Christ himself is the one in whom all are, are sorry, are, sorry, I'll say this again. Christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That if you are looking for the riches, you've got to find them in Jesus. Or as Colossians 1.27 says that what are the riches of the glory, the mystery among the Gentiles? Well, it's Christ in you. The hope of glory. That Christ is to be your life. I love what 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4 says. If you want probably one of my all-time favorite verses in Scripture, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 could probably fit the bill. Because in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, Paul is talking about this incredible reality that you get to partake in. And listen to what he says. His divine power, look, look at what God's power has done has given to you everything pertaining to life and godliness. So let me ask you, what do you need outside of life and godliness? Name one single thing that you need outside of life and godliness. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything either. So if everything we need for life and godliness is found in Jesus, do you realize that he's the solution? That, that he's all that we need? If, if the fullness of life and godliness is Jesus, then once you have him, you have all that you need. But Paul goes on, listen to this, in 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has given to you everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. 
For by these he's given to you exceedingly great and precious promises, so that by them you might become partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Do you realize what God has given you? God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. And then he's given you exceedingly great and precious promises. Why? So that you can share, partake of his very nature. Which doesn't mean you become God. Just for clarity. Sorry. (laughs) You don't become God. Praise the Lord. But you get to share in his life. Isn't that an incredible passage? That everything I need for life and godliness is in Jesus. He has given me it. He's given me his exceedingly great and precious promises. And if that wasn't enough, he's given me his very life so that I could partake in his very nature. Oh, that's so good. If you didn't like that one, Romans eleven thirty six. 36. Uh, if you want to summarize the entirety of scripture, I think a Romans eleven thirty six could do it. If you want to hear the thrust of the gospel, I think Romans 11.36 summarizes it. If you want a great passage for your life, Romans 11.36. And what does Romans 11.36 say? For from him and through him and to him are all things for his glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you know what your life's supposed to be? From him, through him, to him for his glory. What is your marriage supposed to be about? from him through him to him for his glory well what's my family supposed to be focused on from him through him to him for his glory well what about my job what if your job was from him through him to him for his glory well what what about my free time what if your free time was from him through him to him for his glory are you getting this do you know what all of scripture proclaims this is all about jesus and this, this mystery has been hidden from ages and generations. It's on every page of the Old Testament. It's all about Jesus. So now, here you are in the New Covenant. What is your life supposed to be focused on? Jesus. Would you get all wrapped up in Him? Would you just get tight with Him? Why? Because I get to partake of His unfathomable riches. Well, what are the riches? Him. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but a page... Prior to our passage in Ephesians 1, Paul talks about the blessings that we have in God. And it's interesting to me that in verses 3 down through verse 14, do you know what every single blessing focuses on? Jesus. That Jesus is the blessing in your life. I don't know what you thought of when you were a kid, but when when I was growing up, I had this thought of every time I needed something from God... He had like a, uh, he was like a store clerk or he was like a pharmacist. And so I would go to God and say, God, I really, I really need some love today. And God goes, oh, I have exactly what you need. And so he would go into his back room and pull off this jar of pills called love. And he had me a pill called love. And I go, oh, thanks, God. I really needed that. And then I would leave and I'd realize, oh, it wasn't love that I actually needed. I really needed joy. So I run back to God and say, God, can I have some joy? And God goes, oh, I think I have that. And he goes and goes to the back room and finds this jar called joy and, and gives me a pill called joy. And so I pop the pill called joy and be like, whoa, I got joy. And this is really exciting. But I realized that joy really wasn't what I needed. I really needed patience. So I come back to God and say, God, I need patience. Not like now, God, I need patience. Now, God, patience, now. And God says, 
take a chill pill, hold on. And he goes back to the room and he hands me this. Do you realize that's not what God does? That when I go to God and say, God, I really need some love. Do you know what he gives me? He doesn't give me love. He gives me Jesus, who becomes my love. When I say, God, I really need some joy, do you know what he gives me? He doesn't give me joy. He gives me Jesus, who is the fullness of joy, according to Psalm 16, verse 11. God, I really need some peace in my life. Do you know what he gives me? He doesn't give me peace. He gives me the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. And every single blessing, everything that God has for me is found in one single place, Jesus. And do you know how brilliant that is of God? Because if Jesus is everything that I need and he is what God has given me, then when I go to God and say, God, I really need some love right now, and he gives me Jesus, and then later I realize it wasn't love, but I needed joy, Jesus is both. So when I get Jesus in my life, I get love and I get joy and I get peace and I get patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Why? Because those are the fruits of him. They're the fruits of the Spirit. So think about this. Everything that God has for you, everything that God wants for your life, everything that he's doing in you is all centered on the person of Jesus. So when you come to God and say, God, I really need something, really what you should be saying is, God, I really need more of you. Because what you're going to give me is you. Because you're the fullness. Hey, you're the essence of this thing. Now, I'm not going to give you all the passages. I just want to give you a quick list. That as I was, as I was meditating on this idea that Jesus himself is the riches, I began to say, what is it that Jesus actually does or fulfills in my life? And so I started going through scripture, and I, I came up with a list. And if you, again, if you want all the scripture references for all these, uh, I'll send them to Phil and he can give them to you. But let me just read you a list. When Jesus is at the very center of your life, when Jesus is the fullness of the riches of your, of your very being, think about what you get access to. Here's a list. It's not comprehensive. This is just what came, came to my mind. So I know, it goes, I, I, I know it goes far beyond all this. But just listen to this. He becomes your love. He is our truth. He is our life. He is our atonement. He is our salvation. He is our propitiation. He is our redemption. He purges our conscience. He is our peace. He is our reconciliation. He is our righteousness. He overcome and destroys death and the devil. He is our sanctification. He is our healer. He is our boldness and our courage. He is our dwelling place. He is our advocate. He is our wisdom. He is our triumph. He is our holiness and purity. He is our blessing. He is our inheritance. He is our joy. He is our goal, our aim, our race, and the prize. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is our perfection. He is our clothing. He is our rock, our fortress, our shield, our protector, and our high tower. He is our foundation and our cornerstone. He is our head and our authority. He is our holy calling. He is our promise. He's our circumcision. He's a lover of our soul. He's our altar, our sacrifice, and our high priest. Are you getting all these? This is amazing, isn't it? I don't know how you can stay seated. Uh, he is our, he's the upholder of all things. He's our shepherd. He's our daily manna. He's our light. He's our strength. He's the forerunner and our first fruits. He's our mediator. He's our intercessor. He's our gift. He's our leader, our commander, our ruler, and our governor. He's our deliverer. He's our judge. 
He's our portion, our maker, our bridegroom, and our husband. He's our well-beloved. He's our hope, our brother, our helper, our refiner, our example, our teacher, our keeper, our restorer, our resting place. He's our king. He's our Christ, our Messiah. He's our Lord. He's our all in all. He is our Jesus. That is quite a list. And Paul says that this overwhelming riches of his life is now available to you. Do you realize that the riches of Christ are incomprehensible? That they are beyond your understanding? That that they are indescribable? How are you going to put words to the richness of Jesus? That, that, That his riches are so phenomenal? His riches are so over the top? His riches are so abundant? Which means that they're inexhaustible? Have, have you, do you realize that for 2,000 years, Christians have been pulling from the riches of Jesus, and yet there are still more riches? That, that, that there is no end to this? That, that I think that we can go for all eternity and beyond, which is impossible, because eternity is forever, right? But for all eternity, we'll be experiencing the depth of the riches of Jesus Christ, and we'll never reach the bottom. Why? They just keep going and going and going and going and going and going. Uh, When you look at Solomon's life in the Old Testament, do you realize that Solomon was the richest man who ever lived? Uh, Some have equated his personal wealth. This is mind-boggling to me. That Solomon's personal wealth, not not the nation's wealth, this is his personal wealth. In modern uh, economics, modern money, would be somewhere between two and three trillion dollars. That's his personal wealth. Don't you wish he went to your church and tithe? I know, it's just like, holy cow. Two to three trillion dollars, his personal wealth. Of course, the nation's wealth was bigger than that. Do you realize that that is a picture of something? That what he had in physical wealth is a picture of what you have in spiritual wealth. That it actually makes his personal wealth, what you have in Jesus, makes Solomon's personal wealth look like a pauper. Because the riches of Christ that you have access to are so big and so immense and so over the top and so incredible and so phenomenal, you will never reach the end of them. You will never exhaust the supply. Why? Because that's who our Jesus is. So all that being said, if it is true that you and I get to experience the unfathomable riches of Christ, what do we do about that? How do we respond in light of his riches, which is himself? Really quick, let me give you four ideas. Number one is the idea of the pursuit. If it is true that you get to experience the unfathomable riches of Christ, shouldn't you go after it? Shouldn't you give your time and your resource and your energy and your focus to pursuing the riches that you get to experience? And again, we're not talking money. We're talking a person. We're not talking possessions, we're talking Jesus. And if it is true that he is the unfathomable riches that you get to experience, could I encourage you to pursue him? Could I encourage you to go after him? Could could I encourage you to spend all of your energy and all of your focus going after the one thing that actually matters for all eternity? Jesus in Matthew 13 compares the kingdom of God to this treasure. And he says in verse 44, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, 
If you found a treasure hidden in a field, what would you do? I mean, if you found this, say this box that contained millions and millions and millions of dollars, wouldn't you sell everything you had to buy that field so you can own that treasure? So that treasure legally could be yours? Jesus says, that's right. He says, do you know what the treasure is? Me. And shouldn't you just give up everything in your life? Shouldn't you just be willing to just go crazy to get the one thing that actually matters for all eternity? So there's this idea that, that if he really is the unfathomable riches, we need to pursue him. We need to give our energy and our focus and our time to pursuing the one thing that actually matters, Jesus. It's not just the pursuit, number one, but number two is this idea of the posture. And it goes back to this idea of the humility. And you see that in verse 8 at the very beginning, where in light of this incredible, unfathomable riches of Jesus, Paul saw himself humbly. Wouldn't it be interesting if we saw ourselves that way too in light of Jesus? That in light of who he is, in light of what he is doing, and in light of the reality of, of just his greatness and his goodness, we would say, Lord, you are worthy, and I want you to be lifted high in my life, and as such, I'm going to see myself as very low. I'm going to see myself humbly. And like Paul, could we see ourselves humbly so that Christ could be seen highly in and through our lives? Why? Because our lives were focused on the treasure. Uh, last time I was here, we were looking at Philippians 3, but in Philippians 3, Paul says, hey, I am worth, I, I am, it'd be worth counting all things lost for the sake of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. It would be worth dumping everything in my life just to grab a hold of the one thing that actually matters, him. So again, we, we have this idea of the pursuit. We have this idea of the posture. Number three is the idea of praise. If you actually understood what you have access to in Jesus, shouldn't that just make you skip and jump in life? Shouldn't that just cause this praise anthem to bubble forth out of you? Shouldn't that just cause you to bounce around like Tigger and Winnie the Pooh? Maybe that's too dramatic. But, but, but wouldn't that just excite you to realize I have access to the fullness of the life of God? Wow, everything that I need for life and for godliness I have access to. That, that there is no end to the supply. That, that he is so faithful and he is so good and anything that I ever need, he, he is always willing to give. That he will always be faithful. He is always willing to give grace. He's always willing to show forth his love. He's always willing to extend mercy. And I get to experience that. And if, if that was actually true, and it is, and I began to realize that in my life, shouldn't that just cause me to, to live with an endless praise and adoration and wow going on in my life? Because I have access now to the riches. Uh, we often teach our students, it's, uh, we call it the sunset principle. But haven't you ever been driving down the road and seen a beautiful sunset? And when you see an incredible sunset, you don't have to whip up worship. You don't have to whip up admiration. You just, you look at the sunset and you go, whoa. You nudge your friend, hey, look at this. In fact, if it's a really good one, you get someone on the phone, get outside right now. Look at the sunset. This is incredible. Isn't that what we do? Do you know what that's called? Worship. It's praise. And wouldn't it be phenomenal if you just saw Jesus so high and lifted up that if you began to see the reality of his riches, 
that you didn't have to twist your arm to bring out praise. You didn't have to grit your teeth and be like, all right, I'm going to worship this morning. All right, here we go. Wouldn't it be amazing if it just came out of your life because you actually saw him? That just like you would see a sunset and just go, wow, that you would see him high and lifted up and just go, wow, Jesus, you're so good. Lord, I praise you. Oh, I just love you. And there would just be this endless praise coming out of your life because of the access to the riches, which is him. So there's, again, there's this idea of the pursuit. There's this idea of the posture, this humility thing. There's this idea of praise. And lastly, Paul says that he got the privilege of proclaiming or preaching this to the world, to the Gentiles. Do you realize that's your commission as well? There's this idea of the proclamation. That if you actually got a hold of the riches of Jesus Christ, that you should not be able to contain this self. Contain it. Yeah, you, you should not be able to contain yourself from declaring these unfathomable riches of Jesus Christ. That something, just like the praise would just bubble forth out of you, wouldn't it be amazing if not just praise came out of your life, but this endless proclamation of the, wow, have you experienced the riches? Hey, have you seen the riches? Hey, do you know the riches that you can have access to? Jesus. Can I ask you, are those four things happening in your life? Are you, are you going after Jesus with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do you see yourself in light of Jesus lowly? Is there a constant song in your heart of praise and worship and adoration for the one who actually deserves it? Is it hard for you to share the gospel? Or is it just a, wow, I just I cannot help myself in light of the reality of Jesus and all that he's doing in my life. I just, I just can't contain it. It's like I'm a volcano that just has to explode the reality of Jesus Christ in my world. And if you don't have those, could I encourage you to ask God for them? If you do have those, could I encourage you to ask God to take those to another level? Because what I found is that, man, when I get wrapped up in Jesus and get wrapped up in his unfathomable riches, which is himself, oh, those things are just going to start coming out of my life. Would you do that? Would you go after him? Would you make him your life? And would you realize that the riches of heaven are available to you in Jesus Christ? That's so important. Oh, it's so good. You know, pray with me. Oh, Lord, we do love you. Oh, we do love you. And Lord, I'm just blown away by the fact that, that not only do we get to talk of the unfathomable riches, but you've actually made them available for us to experience. That this isn't a pie in the sky. Wouldn't it be great if we could somehow have some things that we need for, for life? But this is everything we need for life and godliness. You have already provided in Christ Jesus so, Lord, I, I pray that you would turn our gaze heavenward and that we would just be in awe, that we would just have this whoa and wow, knowing that everything we need is in you, that every blessing that you have for us is found in you, that our lives are to be from you and through you and to you for your glory, that, that, that every aspect of our life should be centered upon Jesus Christ. Lord, I, I, I pray... For, for this body, that, that, that you would give us a passionate pursuit of you, that we would seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, 
that, that we would truly love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Lord, I pray that, that you would cause us to see ourselves in light of you and that we would see ourselves humbly, but we would see you highly. Lord, I pray that you would just birth a song in our soul that just would just trumpet forth out of our lives, not because we're, we're twisting our arms trying to get worship to come out, but Lord, somehow in the midst of seeing you as you are, we just could not help ourselves but, but just declare the wonder of who you are, that we would just be in this constant awe of thanksgiving and that every moment of our day that we just be, wow, and whoa, look at God, how good you are in my life, and look how you're supplying, and wow, look at your faithfulness, and, and whether it's good times or whether it's bad times, Lord, you are still good and you are still faithful. So, Lord, we want to thank you. Lord, could you, could you bring about that kind of praise in our life? And, Lord, this world desperately needs you. Desperately needs you. Lord, things are getting darker, and, but, Lord, you are the light. And, Lord, I'm convinced the only way I'm going to ever want to proclaim that light with boldness is that I first have to experience that light. So, Lord, could I, could I experience the depth of your riches the richness of your life to such a degree where, like a volcano, I just cannot keep, keep the truth in. I just, I just, I just got to tell people about you because I've seen the reality of what you've done in my life. And Lord, we pray for Greeley very specifically, Lord, that you would turn this, this city upside down, that you would turn it on its head, and that, and that this place would be a place of light in the midst of darkness. That this, was, this would be a place proclaiming the unfathomable riches of Jesus Christ, that this would be a place that is praising you moment by moment of every single day, that, that Lord, that you would be, the, be so focused here that, that this place, that this body would be known as the people who passionately pursue you with every fiber of our beings. And so, Lord, would you just grow and increase in our lives this week? Would you cause our gaze to be turned afresh upon you? And, oh, Lord, may we experience, as Paul would say, the unsearchable, unfathomable riches of you in a way like we have never experienced before this week in our lives. And Lord, we understand it's, it's not money, it's not wealth, it's not possessions, it's a person whose name is Jesus. We love you. Oh, we love you. We pray all this in your holy and precious and very powerful name. Amen. Amen. He's good, isn't he? Amen. Man, love Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Nathan, for preaching Jesus. You know, there's so many resources available to us today. There's a self-help book for everything you could possibly want help on and a lot of things you don't. If you want to be, you know, there's all kinds of material out there that will tell you how to control your will and to be more kind, to be more loving, to be a better person. And how about if we could, uh, and you know, some of those may, may have their place to a certain degree, but how about if we could just get rid of all that and get a good dose of Jesus that's going to take care of all of that. Thank you for pointing us to Jesus. That is really all that matters. 
Anyone have anything to share yet before we close? Has the Lord spoken to you? Anything that's uh, on your mind from this week or from the sermon? Now's a chance to share. Steve? Thank you, Steve. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord, for our dear sister, Gloria, and I just uh, pray that you would strengthen her today, Father, that she would um, find peace in the midst of the pain that she is going through, and Father, I thank you for the light of the gospel that she is to many of her neighbors in the senior center, Lord, and how she prays continually for um many of the ones that are seeking and father we know that some have found you through her life and her testimony there and we thank you for that and i just lift up our dear sister this morning that you would help her to um not give up lord in her uh in her mind lord but that she would continue to find her grace and strength in you and lord i pray that if it is your will that you would find a um, healing for her, Lord, and answer. We know the doctors are doing a lot of tests, Father, and I just pray that she would find relief from her back pain and that she would be able to stay active. Lord, it is her desire to just share Jesus with everyone, and it's getting more and more difficult for her, Father, and I just pray that you would heal her and give her extra strength and grace today. In Jesus' name. Anyone else? If not, I think that lunch is about ready, so uh, let's all stand up. We'll dismiss from this portion of the service, and once again, please stay and enjoy lunch and our fellowship. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had here together this morning, and thank you for the simplicity of your word and that it really is all about your son Jesus and the provision that you have made through him to be everything that we need, and we thank you for that. I pray, Father, that we would hold on to to that provision because we know that it is there for us. It's there for the taking. Go with us this week, Father. Help us to live that out. I thank you now for the food that's provided for us. I pray your blessing on it and and your blessing on our fellowship as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.